0: Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast, weekly insights into everything video, proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker.
1: Hi everybody and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week we bring you insights into film, television, online video, VR. If it's got a canvas, we'll be talking about it. Today we're discussing directing, filming, lighting, cinematography, DOP, editing, grading, advertising, all this and so much more with my good friend Lee Stapleton. Thanks for being on the show mate.
0: Hi Blair, thank you very much for having me mate.
1: Let's fill in everybody on your role and how we work together. So what is your role?
0: So I'm a content director at um, FCB Auckland in New Zealand and uh, basically I'm responsible for fulfilling the briefs that are either handed over by creatives uh, in terms of shooting logistics, cinematography style, as well as editing these pieces of content and doing some basic motion animation on top of that. And then, obviously, within all that that sort of that framework, uh, I liaise with yourself and the guys in the motion suites at FCB as well to see what we can do to bring those pieces to life. So um, really taking sort of a director's point of view on that is... You know, sometimes deciding how you transition, what messages you want to portray, how you want the performances to be, what tempo and rhythm you want to work with in pieces of content, how to engage people. And the part of the production arm I'm in, Hive, which is that in house content production arm, um, we specialize originally with online content. So things for like uh, Facebook, uh, pre roll, and like how to get user retention, how to catch someone in the three-second thumb swipe, that timing that you usually get if someone's scrolling down on Facebook, how do we grab their attention before they continue to scroll on, all things like that, that as a content director for the online market, uh, you know,
1: really have to bear in mind yeah you also we have a content department that delivers a lot of the broadcast advertising and um above the line advertising and you've also worked on a number of projects as a content director in that in that space as well as hive
0: yeah yeah i've um directed a couple tvcs uh through the content arm as well and uh you know sort of that's that's when you get a, a lot of uh You know, you got a lot of boxes you need to tick with that. You have to be able to sell what people want to sell or like tell the stories like in the 30-second window most of the time. When you're stuck to those time constraints, how do you how do you translate everything you want to translate effectively and quickly for people that are just sat there waiting for their show to come back on? Yeah.
1: (laughs) And it's um a really interesting one to me, where a long time ago I got the first filming kit into the agency. That was um, back in the day of the 5Ds. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I was responsible for doing the filming initially. I knew the the capabilities, the democratization of their gear, it, it was evident to me. That was a very long time ago. Mm. And then as we've grown as an agency, we were able to bring um, Mike Braden as a content director and then yourself. So now we have two content directors yep. in-house, so what I love about that is that we can have really honest discussions openly with each other about what the workflow is going to look like, what you're trying to achieve, what we need for the project to be as successful as possible.
0: Yeah, definitely because it's like um, the one thing that I've always or I've always been an advocate of is that everyone's creative. every single person wherever in, in, in advertising particularly the suits are just as creative as anyone else and um it's the whole how you creativity isn't just stem to i can paint a picture i can craft this piece of video i can make this motion work it's also how you approach and how you sort of craft the structure of the production as well you know like logistics and things like that you have to be creative about how to balance all those things and like with um with filming uh, and, and shooting the you know content pieces it's always been for me uh it's always been, you know, important to be able to have open dialogue and know exactly what you want to, what you want to achieve at the end, and then you work from that, what you want in in your mind's eye at the end. You work backwards and go, how do we get there? So let's trace our steps back. It's like writing a bloody murder novel. You always have the how the criminal, you know, what the murder, what how, how the criminal did it first, and then you just go backwards and then go, you know, and deconstruct it that way. So it makes. Perfect
1: sense. Don't yeah. know if that makes any sense. <laughs> Funding motivation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Maybe she wrote awesome show. <laughs> <laughs> so, a couple of things that you're talking about there is creativity um, from everybody involved in the process and problem solving. Mm. I think that whether you're filming or you're editing or you're grading or you're doing some motion work, problem solving is so pivotal. And how we operate we're brought in as professionals and there is an expectation of what the client's looking to get out of it and then the creatives and then we're our job is basically to problem solve things that come up yeah yeah which comes from experience really Definitely.
0: definitely I mean there's a lot of things that you know sometimes you're working on very tight uh very tight budgets and so A lot of the creativity comes through. How can we achieve this cost effectively and still get a great output? And, like, how, you know, and it's not just. Using the tools at your disposal, it's about also having relationships. Especially from my side, um, having uh, studied film and specialized in cinematography for three years, then did a masters and specialized in cinematography for that additional year. Um, The one thing I was always taught is the relationship with everyone involved in that production, whether it's the rental company, the producers, the location scout, you know, the talent scout. All those relationships are so beneficial to your end product because stress is contagious in production yeah stress oh god mate it it breaks out bad like a rash sometimes and it's always having that transparency with people and for me it's like if you're working on tight budgets luckily enough for me the guys at metro film here are just so good to me like will and ryan uh always do a real good deal for us if they know we're on a tight constraint a tight budget they go hey you know um, I say I'll be very honest and open with them and say that we want to shoot this. This is the camera I need for these reasons. Um, anything you can do to help us out and now we'll see how those budgets work. I'll talk to my producer and then they'll be like, Okay, if we can get it for X, you know, where can we save time? Yeah. You know, and just because you've got a small budget doesn't mean the work can't be great. It's just about those relationships you start forming and building that allow you to create the greatest piece of work. So if for instance, a lot of the shoots I've done recently, I've used Metro Film for their cameras for their Alexa Mini, the Ari classic, um, you know, their mirror. Um, they've always been great with that because I needed those cameras because it means that the quality of the image yeah. is greater. So we're not having to save much in the edit. We're more we spend more time crafting than we do saving. Yeah. It's
1: massive. You know? Um it's false economy, mm, you know, mm. where you feel like you're saving on a rental, but then in post you're spending so much time trying to pull it back to be something good.
0: Dude, I agree so much. Yeah, like,
1: it's it's false economy, I see. Um, and if you can articulate it, and I think that's where the relationships that we have mm. – where it's like well what's the final image going to look like and you've got a vision of when it's graded and you'll have reference and some mood boards and you'll have the storyboards we can go well we're going to fall into issues here if we don't film it on this kind of um camera with this kind of latitude for the shooting environment completely
0: yeah completely i agree with that completely it's like for me one of the things i've always been an advocate of and some people say it's like, oh, he's up his own ass or whatever. Yeah, can I say ass? <laughs> yeah, I can say ass. Um, up his own donkey or whatever. And it's like, uh, I've always been a big fan of in camera effect. Yeah. Which I, I can see you look at me as a motion guy going, bloody hell, mate. Uh, they, they put me out of a job. No, man, we need graphics. But like, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, like, but what I mean is I've I've fallen in love. Ever since I was younger, I had my very first little camera. It was a little panasonic camera, a little flip screen recorded onto mini DV tape. Yeah. Uh, we didn't. I had a mate who um I still have a very good mate. He's a rigger. And he was so into CG. Uh, 3D is now a rigger of hands and faces and stuff. And he worked with um, in the Imaginarium with uh, Andy Circus's company. Yeah, uh, he worked on Ardman and that. And when we were younger, he was learning how to do that stuff. But before he got good so it was believable especially for like a 14 year old kid with a little dv cam like we did things in camera and trust me like that is for me the most immersive way for cinema and image it makes it more believable yeah wherever than having shoddy no disrespect david brooks um but like having shoddy graphics at one point to then now like you know, if you have some amazing in camera effects, you need to add some extra detail and that that's you know, we've got to a point now where, you know, 3D effects can really help benefit that work. But yeah. the the contact of, you know, I don't know just like the contact of everything being in the scene yeah. for me is like the is the it's the oh yeah, lovely.
1: I I think that I fully appreciate War, real world, where we're trying to bring reality back into the mm. visuals. Yeah. So if we can shoot it in camera and get it f- nailed, and then do some cleanup. Yeah. And that gets us eighty percent of the way there and twenty percent of the time. Yeah. I'd always going to put that forward, and Definitely. that's where those conversations that we have of like, well, where's the best, where's time best spent? Yes.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Okay. It's like we recently shot that um commercial for of a client <laughs> sorry you can cut that out on we recently shot a commercial
1: for a client we're not um, going to talk about specific no. clients or get into details of projects but yep. we'll talk in the realms just it makes it a bit easier that we then don't have to get approvals from oh, everybody yeah, that's, true. that's so, very good. <laughs> anyway
0: so um yeah yeah so we we had this discussion about when I was shooting it, I was like, I want it to be summery, and I want there to be some light haze and flares in there. Do you yeah, remember that? Yeah, and, then and it was going into
1: winter. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's going to bloody winter. Get on.
0: I mean, well, oh, a winter here is an English summer, mate. I think summer's on a Wednesday this year in England. Um, but like a few hours, but like, um, and I was like, do I? I want to bake in the flares, but I had a chat with yourself and Corbin. Yeah, and we were thinking how much post, and you you proposed the perfect thing was how much post time have we got. So we spoke to the producer and it wasn't, you know, it was still a decent amount of post time, but we didn't want to spend time having to correct anything that could go wrong in a flare shot. Yeah. So you were like, we can create these flares as long as we're shooting, you know, we're lighting, having the contact lighting so at least makes the the flare and post believable. Yeah. And it's, you know, like as much as I'd love to have them in in camera, coming from you guys being a heavy post bit of work like you guys are the masters of that mate i you know i've opened your toolbox i'll let you guys pull out the tools you need
1: (laughs) i think that it's an understanding of how what you film has the potential in the future to be repurposed for Mm. lots of things and it's knowing that you don't want to be in a corner where it's going to make more work so that's where the discussion came from us and us showing you some reference and some quick tests of yep. how we could really sell that it was natural and realistic mm. and the contact lighting that you were going to mm. add, you know, those conversations, we just have openly and easily because yep. we're on the, all on the same team under the same roof. Mm. We're not trying to outdo each other. Like, no. Oh, I, I made this nailed in camera. It's like, well, what's best for the whole process. Exactly.
0: What, what do you want in the end? And then also what, it also lets everyone else flex a bit of their creative muscle yeah. as well, you know? And like with those sort of dialogues that we have, it's, it's a lovely fact that you have just said what you said about, you know, we're all making the same thing. In the end of the day, a director's name yeah, gets put on there as directed by or the director did this. But let's not forget that he, they wouldn't get that job done unless they had all these other people. And everyone wants to make a great piece of work. And if everyone could go, oh, yeah, I did that effect. I did this, did that. It's, it's real nice because everyone's then pushing – You're not pushing, like carrying people uphill or pushing anything uphill. You're just going on a nice little steady journey together. And everyone's really excited about being able to work on things and try new things out. And there's trust. it's trust and faith. And like, even though we work in the same building together and we can have those dialogues very easily, it's like even if you're working as a freelancer and you've got your um, post-production VFX company there, you have those dialogues with them too. You know, and you go, what can we do? Show me your skills. Show me what things you reckon you can do to contribute to the texture of this piece. You know, and then it's just the same principle. You know, it doesn't matter who they are. You don't just go, hey, we shot this, bang, fix it. Or hey, we shot this, I want this now. It's all about that planning and that dialogue and that transparency of, you know, I want you to do the, I want you to feel so proud about the work you do on this job. So I want to be able to, I want to be proud about it too. I want everyone to be proud of what they've achieved. So, you know let's everyone put on the table your cards yeah and let's see what we can make of them
1: and i think um that transparency that you're talking about also saying um when you're not feeling comfortable about something because you might not have done it before Mm. not feeling that you have to hide that because the more transparency you can um say to somebody so they're aware and I've seen it so many times where I have not done a technique before. I know the theory behind it. Mm. I know how to get resources to pull it off. Yeah. But this is a first for me. And then everybody else comes in to support you, yeah. knowing that you are trying to push the envelope to to really make it sing. Mm. And they appreciate that. Whereas if you go, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all going to be sweet. and then <laughs> And then <laughs> – you you know, you're mid-project and you're like, oh, this is not working how I thought, but yeah. I've told everyone it's going to be sweet as. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen
0: that happen. Good God. <laughs> I've seen that happen before. And that's like, that's the experience thing you're talking about yeah. in the beginning. It's those experiences. You have to, you have to make mistakes, yeah. you know? And the best thing is you always want to look back on your last job and go, damn, I wish I'd done. I wish I had the knowledge I had now from yeah. this job, on that job. And it's like, and sooner or later, You'll get to a point when, hopefully you get to a point when you're still learning everything, you're still making great progress, but you can always look back on the job and go, God, all all these pieces of work are great, I'm really happy with them. But now I wish I'd known this on that to make it even better. But it was at the time when it comes out, it's as good as it possibly can be.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, that's the enjoyment of Mm. being in this profession is that we are constantly growing, learning. Our experiences are shaping our creativity even more. So even if you do a similar job, there's something new that you want to bring to it Mm. or push the envelope more. Yeah, totally agree. So, I want to talk about your roles on the various projects mm. because you go from being a director who is um, very much directing the whole project. You've got your own DOPs, you've mm. got people supporting you on set. And then you also have jobs where you're the man. Mm. You're, you know, the budget's a bit smaller, the execution, the timings are faster. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you could kind of give a little bit of an overview of the various types of roles and, and those responsibilities. Yeah,
0: so like, you know, when we do get those sort of, like we need a quick to, quick to sort of dispatch sort of job, and there's no time for, as you were saying, for like to have the director in A&D, uh, first AC, you know, DOP, gaffers, grips, and all that stuff. You haven't got all that. It's just you, your camera, and then once you shoot, you go to your edit and everything. You, that's those are the one you get to craft those creative ideas quickly it's not like you get to sit down and have a few you know a good f- a few weeks on one job to think about how do i tell this story yeah uh, and you know how am i going to shoot and light it what you need to think about is what is the most what is the most productive way for me as a single single uh single operator director and editor what do i need to know to build that cake what, yeah. what's the recipe for the cake you know and like um me having, you know, working on smaller jobs where, um, uh, when it's, you know, the budget isn't as big as we'd like it to be. And when we're out there shooting or whatever, I have to consider how to pack my kit, who's going to be with me on the set. Usually we just have one person. We have Richard Surrey who's our, um, yeah, yeah, or Richie. Um, stunning hair color, absolutely <laughs> stunning. But, you know, you have someone there to help and support you, but like, you have to be very much in control and that comes from experience like when you know that you turn up to a shoot you're the first point of contact with the um whoever your subject if you're interviewing someone or you're directing with talent you know you're the first point of contact you're making the calls you're lighting yourself as well and then you're shoot you're lighting it for a you like sort of editing in your head as you go yeah and that's when it comes into practice the more you edit in your head like um uh, die hard 3 like uh, died with a vengeance um is it John bloody uh, McTiernan, I can't remember his name. <laughs> no. But like, yeah, he edits in his head. One of the feedback for him is when he was a director, he would edit in his head when he was shooting. Yeah. And then when he got to the post, he knew exactly how that sequence should go. And that's the same principle I use when I go and do quick shoots. I'm shooting the shots I know should fit in where, you know, yeah. I'm not just
1: shooting it and hoping I can put something together. Um, what I really like about you is that you really enjoy both sides of it, mm. the production and the post. You do like crafting an edit and working with the grade and doing some graphics. and You're not afraid of doing that too because, yeah, I have worked with some directors in the past who are very much um, A-list directors who are very focused on the production and have all that. But then sometimes – going into the post side of it it's you can feel yourself in a little bit of a corner i know with you if you've got the time you're going to be thinking about some more coverage Mm. that allows editorial changes to occur as well
0: i mean when you're saying we we, um i shot something a couple things you edited um, one of the pieces um late last year and it was very quick turnaround. We were doing, you know, we had to shoot something that day, edit it and get it out by the end of that day. Yeah, And it was like... Oh, I know. I, was, know, like, I was trying to Yeah, think. yeah No, no, it's <laughs> fine. No, mate, we do a lot of work where we are. There's a lot yeah. of things, but like, um, you know, the one I'm on about. And yeah. like, and when you're shooting something, you go, how can I make this work for the editor? Yeah. What what will they need to be able to hide things, trick, you know, like sort of geography of the scene? How can I, you know, uh, make it so that they have something to cut away to? And cutaways aren't just... Like, you know, close-ups, insert shots to things. It's like you know, from behind or like a, a contingency shot, you've always yeah. got to go back to, yeah. you know, I did uh, the best example was a job I did mid last year, where it was just me shooting. I had three cameras going, just me shooting. It, it was a live moment that could only be filmed once. It was never rehearsed, never staged. It was like an announcement of like, you know, you have won this. And like people were like, oh my God. And then, um, you know, you'd hope they would be, they won something. <laughs> hell, cheer up, you know what I mean? And then, um, <laughs> but like, um, you know, I had to set three cameras, light, the subjects and it was like a you know usually you'd have like three cameramen all operating uh, sorry three camera people all operating different cameras and then um you know you'd have a lighting person there and you'd have a director and said and go and then you'd cover it like a real anti-tv show we didn't have that it was just me so i knew that if i was editing this what do i need i need my contingency wise and i need to focus on the things that are important during that live moment and it turned out they all worked but like you can never hide you can never hide anything in edit. You know when, you know when someone's used a shot because they needed to. It yeah. shouldn't be like that. That has to be invisible. They, they had on. nothing else to film. They had nothing else. Yeah, just a random shot of yeah. something. Whereas when you shoot something, you always consider how am I going to get from A to B if that bridge doesn't work. Yeah, you
1: know? something that I used to always um, be fearful of was the audio. I Off. found that yeah. audio was something that really scared me back in the day when I was doing a lot more filming. Mm. Um, and I would tr- always try and have a contingency with the audio as well. Yeah. So miking people up really yeah. well, but then just, you know, having a Zoom somewhere hidden away just in case. That's the best game. Yeah, and it's um, – you're surprised um, – all, all it takes is just that one job mm-hmm. where you need to fall back on it that you just like, it's worth the effort of giving yourself those backups. You never get that time again. No. You never
0: get that time again. And the one thing I use, the one thing is directing that I always find when you're directing people that, like when you're interviewing people, that for instance, that don't, like you know, they don't want to be there. They've sort of been roped into it. You have to build a relationship with them and, and make
1: it not daunting. A lot exactly. of people, you know, try and make that camera invisible as soon as possible. Mm. Yeah, and
0: directing isn't just what you're seeing on camera. It's everything that's going on behind as well. Yeah, it's like when you cut, you only you only ever showing the people the end product of like you know a thirty second piece of someone discussing that their emotional journey or what have you, but in between, like, you know, the camera's rolling and it's not, you're directing them just as hard yeah. uh, as you are when you actually are getting the performance you want. It's like yeah. how you approach them, How who are
1: they as a person. Building yeah. those relationships really quickly. Exactly, make yeah. it
0: fun. And, like, um, when people do get quite like, – one thing I always found, like, the one lesson I learned through the years of doing it is that when people seem quite reluctant to be doing something because they're like, oh, I've had to do this. Okay, let's get it over and done with. And their body posture in that reflects that. The one thing I usually say to them is I I lie, but I'm like, I say, like, you know, I don't want to do this as much as you, but the sooner we get it done right, that the odds of us having to do this again because it wasn't done right the first time is you know it's extinguished it's gone you yeah. don't have to do it again and they go oh yeah okay that's good
1: it's and understanding then, people's motivations and then and then meeting them yes yeah, exactly yeah, and yeah. being
0: like let's get let's nail this you, you know in the end of the day people are going to see themselves on screen how do they want to be portrayed yeah you know it's not just down to the person the camera sometimes it's molding that person's enthusiasm yeah you
1: know Awesome stuff, man. So I want to talk about relationships a little bit more because... Mm. How's yours going? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, all good. Lovely. Yeah, great. Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) And you? Yeah, it's wonderful. Spectacular. Very happy. She's out for a wax right now. (laughs) Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about our relationships with producers who Mm. are probably, they are the closest circle to us and supporting us, in our roles yes, and you get to work with all the content producers mm. and the hive producers. So we do have a huge team of producers in house. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. So for you, um, how do you interact with the producers and how do they support you and your role? Well, like, yeah, it's a def like great question.
0: Cause like every producer is like every director and every yeah. writer, they all work differently and everyone needs something from someone. That's how you get a job done. So depending on the producer, like for me, I'm always transparent. I like to know. I know that when producers are sending, um you know, costs over for things, and you know, we don't see that. I like to see that transparency. I like to say, hey, can I get the budget? Uh, can I get like the invoice from the production company we used? You know, from like the rental company and all that stuff. Or can I? Can I get the? Um, you know, like all the daily information before you even publish it because i want to go through and i like to know everything that's going on because and you know it's that trust thing. for me i like them to know that i'm on top of it so i'm never going to question them about it i just like to see it and have it there in case i ever need to refer to it that's how i deal with them i like to know every little bit and bob yeah. you know um and and you know i think does that kind of answer it? I am-
1: I, I was interested to know that, um, you know, with Hive, the producers that we have, and am going to get mm. them all on in the future, but Kick Lauren... <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: going to be a loud one.
1: <laughs> Very lovely. For Hive, we've got Lauren, Jess, and Rich producing. Yeah. And um, the type of projects that you're working with them are quite different and the roles that they offer you and supporting you through those are going to be very different from our content team Mm. with Pip, Mariana, Sonali, Amanda Mm. and Rebecca.
0: Yeah, so like with, with jobs that come through like Lauren or Jess or Rich, they'll ask me, Lee, how much time do you need to edit this piece? Or like, Lee, how much money do you need for Kit and the first thing I ask is what's the overall budget first and what's the limits here? And then also where is it going? How's, you know, um, is it going to be on devices to, you know, uh, yeah. not TV, but like, you know, is it going to be, you know, just as Instagram or what have you. And like they, we have that dialogue. We have that relationship where they'll say, Lee, we can only give you X amount of money. Yeah. And that's barely enough for, you know, something decent, like a C300 Mark II, Uh, you know, like we're talking minuscule budgets here. And so we work away around, you know, they support us by seeing how much time we could shave on editing by getting a better camera, as we were discussing earlier, you know, where that flexibility comes in. And they're very supportive in that. And they'll let us make they'll, you know, let me make some calls on how I want the production to run on how I want the final piece to look. And then if, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a clash of sort of interest, like I want to get this job done and out the door. And then, but then I'm like, but I want to make this job, you know, I want a bit more time to craft this job and make it better all yeah. the other way around. You know, sometimes it's just a simple job like that. But it's like, it's that transparency in that dialogue that we all know where each other stand. And they support me by giving me the chance to say, in writing, like, I, I need X amount of time to edit this. You know, to a great to a standard that I'd be happy to show client or to you yeah. know to show creatives, um, you know, and they'll also be you know supportive of me for you know saying Lee, we can give you, you know, we can find some extra money so you can get some more kit because trust me, never sting on kit, yeah, never sting. Thank <laughs> Just because you got an in-house camera doesn't mean that you have to use it all the time.
1: Yeah, it's um, it was an interesting one for me because when I was filming, we weren't filming as a production company mm. like we weren't replicating what a production company was so we needed to have an in-house kit yeah. now um we are producing a lot more across the board we have a few kits yeah. but we also have relationships with rental companies yes, so that we can get the equipment that's right for the job mm-hmm. And you were talking earlier about having a really strong relationship with Metro. do you have other relationships with other rental companies just yep. to make sure yeah yeah um, uh
0: image zone uh I've got a good relationship with them um as well as king size yeah. uh you know so depending on the job that's coming in and depending how much money you've got like there are certain cameras that you just couldn't single person operate and direct like. When you got an Ari Alexa mini, and like you got, you need the heavy legs for it, and you know it's, it's very heavy stuff. I mean, crikey, there's more fat on a chip than meat, mate. I'm not going to lie. So I'll be holding <laughs> that stuff. But I mean, if I did a skydive, my face wouldn't move. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but like, um, but like, I'm, I'm a little bit the opposite. <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> Oh, beautiful, You're beautiful. You've got a very seductive voice, Blair. And, oh, well, thank you, Lee. Oh, that's okay. Welcome to the Happy Hour. Oh, yeah. Let's make. Um, sorry, yes. it's back on track. So, certain jobs require certain kits. You know, yeah. if you've got a run and gun, and the and you know, this is just an internal piece. We've got our A7S2 here. That's just up to scratch, and you can just use it. Yeah. And then sometimes it's like we need to, um, we need that sort of run and gun aspect, but also we need something that's still high quality image and uh but also allows us to get a lot of shots in a very short amount of time. Yeah. That's when I'd start going to king size and saying, no, can I get the C three hundred Mark two or or even the Mark One depending, you know, and start um considering building that kit up. But then when you've got a full day to craft some shoots, like when you're doing brand and things like that and you want to storytell and you want a beautiful image and you want more flexibility in the edit and you want to be able to, you know, not save shots. You should never have to worry about saving them. Always get them right. When You you never get that time back, as I say. But like on the day, always light it right. Just spend that time. But when you've got brand shoots and things like that and you want the bigger kits and the bigger cameras, then I'd go to like Metro and discuss with them. uh, Because, you know image is one thing uh, but make having the cameras looking cool, but you know um, as well as having the flexibility, you know, and speed is key. Time is money.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, and again, the stress when people start getting stressed, like suits or someone being like, Oh, running behind. What's going to happen? The client's asking me all these questions. You're like, we're, we're crafting we're making this better, so you know sometimes you need time
1: and a huge part of that, which you were just talking about before, is lighting, and it's something that I'm really passionate about because being a 3 nice. d animator, I really have studied light mm. and and a big way of doing that for me was photography for a number of yep. years and filming as well with the moving image and mm. how light works. So let's just let's nerd out on lighting. Good program. because
0: that's my favorite thing.
1: <laughs> I love lighting.
0: I so, absolutely love lighting.
1: So if you're lighting um, a low budget interview internally, what what are your what are your thoughts initially on how you're going to light single person to camera?
0: Yeah. So I'm thinking first if you know if I've got minuscule kit. Obviously, you always want to go for the safety. The three-point lighting is always safe. And LED is such a great thing these days. You know, they don't get too hot, you know, and they work off VLOC and they're portable. You just quickly move them around on the stands. You don't have to be tethered up to mains or anything like that. Yeah, Those are great. But if we haven't got that control, always look for your natural light resource. I'd always try and find a window, but not show the window if you don't want to have that blowout. Like, you know, then you start NDing, and then you need more powerful lights to counter that and what have you... Um, but for me, if it's simple internal shoot, I'd look for my natural light source first and find a way to control that, bounce something into the face. And if I only ever have one light, that's, you know, that's a LED panel or something. That would always be a backlight or a fill light or, a, you know, depending on what I want to show, even to add some texture on the background.
1: You yeah. Know? So you're using um, bounce cards and things bounce a cards, lot yeah. to Poly utilize boards, what you have. Fleckies. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah.
0: A big fan of those. I mean,
1: what about cutting
0: light? Cutting light, oh, that's, now that's when it gets real fun because cutting light, people think, you know, people forget that
1: you can shape
0: it. Yeah, you yeah. shape it. You're crafting it. You show what you want to show. And cutting light is, depending on where you're shooting, if you are kind of trying to, you know, cut light and you're getting too much of a glare off off something, you know, that's where your map box comes in as well. Is is the light the one hitting your lens, or is it the light hitting the subject? So yeah. floppies in cutters are. Great for even adding texture to backgrounds as well. If you want to have a bit of shade behind them but light them, just cut you know, you have the light hitting the subject on the face, but then you cut from when their face is to the background so you've got that nice darker tone, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously, depending where you're shooting, if you need to cut the daylight, don't shoot near a window because you haven't got if you haven't got a 20 by 20 or anything like that,
1: you're not going to be cutting nothing, (laughs) you know? i 've always found it um, hard work in a grade where shooting outside mm. uh, for so many different reasons it might be that the sky is really blown out to yeah. get the exposure or it's the shift and change of the light oh. if it's cloudy and yeah. you know that consistency of the image yeah mm. so what do you what do you find are some tricks that you utilize to sort of help in those areas External shooting environments.
0: Well, first fun fact about that: in Indiana Jones, uh, I think it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know the scene where in the marketplace in and yeah. and the guy gets the sword out and he's like, ah, 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 and Indy shoots him. Yeah. Originally, that was supposed to be a big fight scene, and they were losing the light outside. And I uh, can't remember who it was. I think it's the AD or someone said, "We're losing the light. We can't shoot this fight scene. How about we just get Indy to shoot the guy?" <laughs> and so my way of saying it when we have to deal with things that are outdoors i just say just shoot the guy so it's like it's in like let's find another way around this like because if you're working with sporadic broken cloud coverage and it's going over and you know you're that's when you start probably hoping you've got some portable diff you know that you can just sort of like put on a uh put on a scrim above them yeah just to at least keep that nice and neutral it may look to the human eye like they're in shade and like why are they so dark and everything else is so bright cameras are replicating what the eye sees, but they don't see exactly what the ICs sees. Are so eyes. we
1: we can uh, control that in post. We and can control exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. Never overexpose. Bloody hell, unless you <laughs> unless you want to bake it in, do it. I mean, live dangerously. Why not? Yeah. But yeah. lighting, like, for me, is you know my most favourite thing crafting light. And I know I don't know if I bring it up, but like I learned an awful lot about lighting, believe it or not, when I used to work in the adult industry back in the UK for five years. Um, and because lighting is you know, I can like any orifice.
1: <laughs> okay, let's talk about big, yeah. let's talk about your career because <laughs> you've worked in advertising in New Zealand for for a while now. Yeah. You've worked at FCB, then you are at ninety nine, part yes. of Colenso, um as a director, part of uh, Clemenger, yeah, part uh, of Clemenger Group, yeah. Yep. Um, and um, before that, you are originally from UK, yes. and you. Um, Got your break in the adult industry, yeah, a, a bit of a taboo industry, Very but, taboo. but actually a real leader in content for video. Yes, they're, they're the ones that have pushed um, so many different areas VR. of development. Yeah, well, but starting again, <laughs> being a professional that went to school, studied mm-hmm. this, has a passion and love for cinematography, film. You know, what was it like? basically learning your craft in the adult industry
0: it was um an eye-opener for sure um it wasn't as difficult as you'd you'd expect but like the thing is with that there's such a high volume of content that needs to go out on yeah. a day-to-day basis that you actually it's more that quantity of a quality situation where people just like just get out just make this money piece of content and just get it up on the site and it was stills and moving um footage so like learning quickly how to adapt quickly to your surroundings and shooting you know obviously content pieces that were uh, you know you know very interesting to be a part of but like um you'd learn you'd problem solve very quickly yeah you know you're dealing with a you're dealing with a very high stressful situation here where you know human body parts are clashing together and you know they can only clash together for so long <laughs> so you're working on a time restraint but like you know I, it was a very interesting because they, they i learned a lot about lighting there because there's a lot of things you need to light in that to. It's just flat lighting, usually, is what they go for. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it was, uh, how do I say, in a nutshell, I learned probably most of my lighting techniques through that industry because everyone, because you're shooting in every single environment possible. True. You're shooting, you, you, they even make adult films, and any, like, up your desk is a very conventional one where you're sat right now. This sofa I'm sat on is very, you <laughs> know, could probably. Definitely could be a set. But like you'd be shooting in like villas in in pools on the corner of pools and hills outdoors and like in like like wine cellars and things like that. You're yeah. ticking so many locations off that now you figure out how to do it. If you're underexposing, I learned that lesson very quickly, you know. The um, image
1: quality falls apart. If image quality falls apart, out. you get complaints
0: yeah. on the comments on, on the website. You know, oh, two minutes 46, so oh, you can't really see anything that's going on. <laughs> so I'd reply back.
1: <laughs> and that's where the fun really started. <laughs> and then,
0: what camera did you shoot it on? Oh, this is the porno I like. <laughs> camera porn. Oh,
1: mate. <laughs> Classic.
0: And now it's time for the pro video picks.
1: What would be your pro video pick for this week, Lee?
0: My pro video pick would be keep it in camera. Sweet that's what i love if you've got the chance to do it in camera do it because there is nothing quite like watching the actual interaction the option the texture everything being it's real mad max was composited but a lot of the effects it did so well because the effects were real yeah you know you could
1: tell and experimental with um how to get it in camera for different situations where they were doing what were the night scenes in daylight and overexposing it which kind of Beans yeah, all, all the rules, but, all the rules. Yeah, but they
0: knew in Atlanta they um, they deliberately shot uh, at a higher ISO, higher EI, um, than the uh, Amira and the Alexa. And then because it's got great color noise, um, it doesn't have like, sorry, it doesn't have as much color breaking up noise. When they were grading live, they would give it the normal film grain look, they'd yeah. like you know, underexpose and push the ISO up. And then so when they graded it, it looked like it was film, and yeah, like they were right. breaking. Breaking rules to create new ones.
1: You have to understand the rules though before yeah. you can break them. But yeah, Oh wow, how deep. I know. Mm. Who's who has never heard that like? <laughs> With great power. Learn <laughs> oh, no. your rule of the thirds, then put it <laughs> in the center. Rule of thirds. <laughs> Thanks, Wiz <Wes> Anderson. <laughs> 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 All right. Inspirational video. Inspirational video could is Could be anything. Um oh anything. Could be film, could uh, be a porno. Something I whatever shot you a few want. years ago. Uh, <laughs>
0: Ass Bandits Volume Seven. <laughs> <laughs> it's a highlight of my career. I never got hit, by the way. I never got hit. Anyway, I think, so. I
1: think um, one of the biggest creative aspects of um, the adult industry is coming up with the titles. Oh, definitely in <laughs> Diana Jones, um, <laughs> you anyway. know,
0: Rumpel Forskin. Uh, so, like, um, what would
1: be your inspirational video?
0: Uh, my inspirational video was actually Pez. You know, guacamole. Yep, I love that because it's it's mixing a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, and it's like in camera stop Mo yeah. with real life elements Yeah. and there's no, there's no naff to it. There's no faffing yeah. around with it. And that's I, I love all of Pez's stuff to be yeah. honest.
1: But that one in particular, it's very cool. Yeah, video. It's very yeah. cool.
0: It's funky. It's everyone. it's
1: really sharp and quick and yeah. It yeah. is.
0: And also like, like I was saying with actual human hands being part of it yes. as well as like, you know, using real life objects, not just like Aardman, which is the clay And all that animation stuff. This is actually using real. Real elements, yeah. You know,
1: By using the tricks of in camera, you know, mm. when you're cutting the dice, that's the yes. first visual that I always, see. The, I know. always remember cutting the dice. Yeah, and it's like, well, you could do it in three D, and also but, the sound design why? for
0: that, you you have to keep that in mind when you're editing yeah. something like that. Is yes, you know, it's, it's audio visual content. It's always fifty fifty. Yeah, you know, and people seem to neglect sound. If any students out there are listening to this, make sure you're you know your sound. You pay just as much attention to your sound as you do your video, yep. because altogether when everything speaks in unison everything's communicating it's it should be a comfortable watch you shouldn't be jarred by anything that's why the room's terribly good yeah you know it's so jarring that's why it did so well as being a bad movie it's like what not
1: to do master class (laughs) nice man nice okay inspiration and influence i really like to understand where people go to find their influence and inspiration so what what would be yours
0: theater yeah love theater i um i come from an acting background as well. When I was younger, I acted with London national theater, acted a lot with the Plymouth theater Royal and theater is like literally for me, the most inspirational thing because you're getting one camera shot you're just watching it all unfold. Yeah. And, and there's still music and sound and acting and performance and scenery, but yeah, just seeing it from a wide. And for me, it's like, if you can tell a story just like that, like, Imagine how interesting and how much more creativity and how many more layers you can use when you use it, get a camera involved and start adding movement to camera and translating messages through the movement of camera and lighting changes yeah. and things like that. I get a lot of inspiration from theatre because that's a one-take wonder, always.
1: Yes. It's yeah. always a one-take wonder. Nice pick, man. Cheers, I really man. like that one. And it hasn't come up before, so that's awesome. Yeah, oh, there we go. Always a first. Okay, so who would you suggest to come on the show? Who would you pick to do that?
0: I recommend James Solomon. Cool. Um, he's I, I've been on the same set of him once before. He did uh, a We Do Doing brand ad, um, but also he recently did signing which was like a five-second event launch for a, for a mobile phone. Um, and for me, he's a very – he takes a lot of bo- – he can fit different niches. Yeah, and like for someone that works on mainly on the bigger bigger scale shoots i think he'd be fascinating to hear about cool. how he approaches like that that sort of one avenue of just you've got big shoots always coming up how do you manage such a high workload of bigger budgets and more people and more creative ideas that are all laying on
1: on him you know awesome I think he'd be great nice man well i'll be following up with him in the future and um where can people follow you online they can
0: follow me on my instagram at uh is which is at lee underscore stapleton awesome um i've got a facebook which is my name as well but um you know
1: obviously well you've got a facebook for your stand-up because oh, you're yeah. also a stand-up comedian
0: uh, apparently <laughs> <laughs> uh, budding wannabe oh, i was it was fun i got to the semi-finals of raw comedy quest this year which was great it was a really good experience. So I do talk about my life in the adult industry there. Yeah, um, Yeah. you can find me at Lee Stilden Comedian on Facebook. But, you know, I'll uh, make it properly as a comedian at some point before I say I actually am one.
1: Cool, cool. <laughs> all good, man. Well, um, all those links will be in the show notes. And a massive thank you to Matt Lloyd, who does the show notes every week. Thanks, mate. As I always say, you're just making my life so much easier. Good I really job, appreciate man. it. Good job, and, and these are valuable resources for everybody to search, to find, to watch the videos that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and also a huge shout out to Tom Heathrow and to Evgeny. Um, I'm not going to butcher your last name, mate. <laughs> They're in the Slack. Um, yeah. Both of you guys have been helping out with my social media stuff as well. I'm just trying to like not, do everything because it's getting pretty taxing. So you guys have stepped up and been helping me with social media posts, um, stuff that I've found I've found and then you're helping um put it out to the various channels. So thank you so much for that. But if you want to come into Slack, that's the place where we're all hanging out and uh, Lee you're in our Slack as well don't be
0: whack join Slack <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I can see how you got through I was going to yeah, no, gonna say don't <laughs> use that as any, any, so, any
0: sort of like um, hint at my quality of stand up <laughs> terrible um, no
1: nah, there are some great conversations happening in Slack and mm. it's a really good place to just connect with everyone and be a little bit closer if you're on Facebook we got the Facebook group as well if you're on Twitter you can find all of this stuff at Pro Video Podcast I'm also at Walker on Twitter. Please reach out, connect. And if you enjoyed this chat, the show, any other episodes, please share them out to your social medias as well. Get the word out there. Really appreciate it. So, a big thank you to the whole team um, for supporting. Also, Paul Spain and Selena Spain from worldpodcasts.com. Yeah, this thing's building. And uh, just thank you to everybody who's involved supporting the show and helping getting these episodes out every week. A massive thank you, Lee, for coming into the studio. A massive
0: thank you right back, mate.
1: So good to have you on. I've been wanting to do it for a long time. I know,
0: right? Bloody hell. We finally got to do it though. Yeah, no, we're, we're both mate. pretty
1: busy though, aren't we?
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's that? It's like, we got jobs. <laughs> but, um, no, I really appreciate it, mate. It's awesome. Uh,
1: it's wicked to have you on, and uh, we'll have you on again in the future. We might get some um, NDAs or we'll get some approval signed off on some projects, and then we can just come on and show and talk about it. Oh, that'd be good fun. Yeah, you know, we can get in the nitty gritty. I do enjoy those apps, but I just wanted it to be a real general mm. where um, we can just have an open chat about processes and inspiration yeah. and what you do so thanks so much man oh, thank you everybody else thank you so much for listening and have a great week we'll catch you next time okay
0: bye Tiddaloo join the conversation on facebook instagram or twitter at pro video podcast please subscribe rate and leave a review on itunes